Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yes, welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am Dan Myler. I am with Matt Price and Ryan McDowell. And fellas, it's episode 512 of the DLF Dynasty Podcast, and we are only a couple weeks away from the NFL draft and all these prospects that we've been talking about landing on teams. And we're, we're going to be thrilled with every one of them landing spots, right, Matt? Every single one. And uh, spoiler alert, we're going to be doing a mock draft based on a mock where I hate basically every landing spot. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what, fun. Matt? When I, when I looked at the <laughs> mock, and there's no point in, in waiting, uh, Dane Brugler did a, did a seven-round mock for The Athletic. We recommend you guys check that out. We we looked over that entire thing, and as if it was real, we we we're gonna build a, a mock based off it, a dynasty mock, super flex, and all it did was remind me of the heartache from a year ago and exactly <laughs> two years ago of these landing spots, and we just don't get everything we want. Almost none. Almost nothing we want. <laughs> there are a couple good ones. Dane gave us a couple to, to get excited about, of course. Ryan, you uh, you actually uh, wrote an article based on that that seven-round mock as well. So you, you dug deep into it. And you know, I, I guess it's just a way for us to prepare to be devastated, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so looking forward to the NFL draft. I love it every year, obviously. We all do. Um you know, last year, I think we talked about it on the show. I hope we did. Last year, uh, the three of us got together to hang out and watch the NFL draft. We uh, welcomed some other friends from DLF and, and folks to uh, hang out with us in St. Louis. This year, we're going to Phoenix, Arizona. So we're excited about that. Looking forward to that. But at the same time, preparing to be bummed out by landing spots. I, I said this, you know, Dan, I think you and I talked about it over the weekend. I mentioned it on the, the Locked On Dynasty podcast this week as well. It, it's not just running back landing spots. It's like landing spots for all uh, all three of the positions, right? Quarterback, running back, wide receiver. There's not that many landing spots that we like in general, right? I mean, the, the Green Bay wide receiver, the Kansas City wide receiver, if Buffalo takes a running back early, that would certainly be intriguing. Uh, if the Steelers get a quarterback in round one, I'm interested in that. That's about it. That, that's kind of the end of the list. So um, I, I'm a little worried. But, hey, it's it, it, at least it kind of matches the general crummy class that we're dealing with what anyway. I, what I like about doing this seven, looking at this seven-round mock and reacting – to it from a dynasty perspective is practicing the reaction really and and trying to (laughs) trying to get a get a good feel for how i how i really feel about the potential landing spot because there's times when the three of us will sit around and we'll talk about these these potential landing spots we talked about it with the running backs last week and we try to talk ourselves into how yeah maybe that could be all right that that would be okay if he ended up there but in reality, a lot of those spots just bring up a whole bunch of questions about usage and and how they will fit in with a with a guy that's already established in that spot. And like Ryan was saying there, that spreads to the wide receiver position. It certainly spreads to the quarterback position as well. We talked about that how the, there really aren't great landing spots outside of Pittsburgh, maybe New Orleans, and then a handful of other places where there's playing time. But either because of the coaching staff or the weapons available, there are red flags. Uh, when you add in the prospects that, that we're, um, we're routinely saying and we're re- routinely fed the information that this is a, <coughs> this is a solid class, but, but without those blue chip players, Matt, um, it just, it's just hard to digest it all and feel good about it once you see any of these landing spots. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I think you can make an argument that a lot of the wide receivers fit, fit. Uh, a lot of places, but at quarterback and, and running back, absolutely. And then at tight end, like we know, we know the depth of this cl- tight end class. There's, you know, one we're we're pretty confident in, and a, and a bunch of like dart throws that we think might catch on. Um, but otherwise, this this uh, class doesn't have the the top heavy talent to really break through a lot of depth charts. It feels like at least right now, sitting here in in April before the draft. You guys ready to head into the show? Let's do it. Let's do it. 
the startup. Now let's start up this week with a similar conversation that we had last week. We talked about those running back landing spots and and we were kind of we got to talking about it because of Melvin Gordon, he was visiting Baltimore and and uh just the general conversation about where these rookie running backs could potentially land. And after that conversation, I think we all agreed that maybe that same conversation could be could be had about the wide receiver landing spots. Ryan, you mentioned Green Bay, and Kansas City. There are a handful of others. I'd throw Dallas in there. New Orleans seems like uh, there, there's some room for a starter that, that could make an impact if it was the right guy. Really, Ryan, there are some people say four, some people say six, some people say even seven or eight impact receivers in the NFL draft. And there are a handful of veterans that are still on the street that could potentially land in a spot where they could make a, a fantasy impact right away. So as a whole, the, the the potential landing spots for all these wide receivers to go, how do you feel about about how many there are and how, how good those spots are? Well, I definitely feel better about the wide receiver uh, landing spots and, and potential pairings. I feel better about wide receivers than I do about the running backs. I mean, we, we talked about Houston and Atlanta. They they have a clear need at running back, but they're also pretty bad teams right now. Um, I think the two top teams that you could argue need a wide receiver and, and potentially could be in line to take a first-round wide receiver are the Chiefs and the Packers. And, and we already know we want we want pieces of those offenses. So if either of those teams or, or both of those teams do take – one of these first-round wide receivers, it's going to be a huge value boost for that player. Um, in general, you you said the number five, six, seven potential first-round wide receivers, um, and, and several more in the second round that we like as well. I see twelve teams that either need a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two. So, um, as as much as we kind of uh, you know, talk down towards the, the wide receiver landing spots, there's at least going to be uh, opportunity for these rookie wide receivers to, to play right away. But there's, there's different levels. There, there's different tiers inside of those top 12, of course. Yeah. Matt, if you had to rank these teams, these, these potential landing spots for these wideouts, of course, Green Bay and Kansas City are going to be on the, at the top. Who are the next few teams as far as where one of these rookies could end up that could bolster their their ranking among all these all the rookies in rookie drafts. Yeah, I'll throw out some that I'm not sure I've heard too much about, but Arizona is one I was looking at that seems pretty interesting. Maybe maybe it's difficult to make a, a an impact in year one with with the old guard there and DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green, and we still have some hope for Rondale Moore. But you know, after those after AJ Green rides off in the sunset and and DeAndre Hopkins is not far behind him, there's really not any depth. Uh, behind those top two guys. So that's one. Uh, I think there's certainly a spot, uh, you know, I know they addressed it with Diami Brown last season, but we have Terry McLaurin maybe uh, potentially wanting out now. Uh, and nobody really wants to play for Washington, I guess. So a good way to do that is to get a rookie that doesn't really have a choice until after that first contract, right? So um, that's one I think is undervalued. And Dallas, uh, you know, they, they have CeeDee Lamb on lock, but Gallup is, is going to be out. Um, the start of the season. So I think there's room there certainly to, to make an impact early on. We see a handful of teams, Ryan, mocked these rookie wide receivers. And sometimes there's some surprises. I mentioned New Orleans. Philadelphia is also a common um, spot that you'll see somebody who's doing, doing NFL mocks uh, slide a wide receiver into that slot as well. So mm-hmm. um, any others that really jump off to you? Yeah, I think the top tier is, is four teams. Green Bay, Kansas City, we've already mentioned. Uh, Matt talked about Dallas. I think they're in the top tier. That's an off, another offense we want a piece of. And, and Cleveland is the fourth for me. I think all four of those teams could potentially be in line to take a round one or round two wide receiver. Uh, Cleveland, of course, jumps into this group after adding Deshaun Watson. They did add Amari Cooper, but I think we saw from – the past couple of years in Dallas, uh, a, a rookie wide receiver, a, a good rookie wide receiver could at least be an equal, if not higher on the pecking order 
than uh, than my guy Amari. Uh, tier two for me is is nine different teams, eight or nine different teams. Some of them need a wide receiver one. Atlanta would be one of those. Most of them though just need. Uh, a, a running mate, right? New Orleans with Michael Thomas, Indy with Michael Pittman. Yep, uh, the the Jets have Elijah Moore. So most of these teams have at least one solid wide receiver. They just need a clear second. The, the other thing I would throw in, and Matt kind of hit on it with Terry McLaurin, and, and we've talked about it, um, if, not on, if not on the pod, then at least uh, off the air, that the changes with these wide receivers this year with uh, with Devonte Adams and, and Tyree kill and Christian Kirk, these guys are getting paid. And now Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown and Debo Samuel want All theirs. And if they do get traded and when we can throw DK Metcalf in there as well, if any of those guys get traded, that's going to shake up this, this whole landing spot uh, discussion in a major way. There's a, there's a handful of spots. We certainly don't want to see one of these top, wide receivers land and and usually that's attached to either a coaching staff that we don't trust or a quarterback that we don't trust or a combination of both if there's if there's one team Matt that you really don't want to see your favorite your number one dynasty wide receiver land with even if it's high in the draft which would that be Jeez, uh Miami maybe sure yeah say Miami do you think I don't I don't know if Miami is you know, are, are they considering a wide receiver? I don't, I don't think I don't so. Know. Just, yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, New England has a terrible history of drafting wide receivers. Maybe they break that streak if they get one early in this draft. But I would have a hard time being excited about that one as well. Baltimore with the low volume, even Philly. I know we. Can, we I know they're going to draft one. You know, we, we all kind of see that. But with another kind of low volume passing offense, maybe not as excited to be there either. Sure, Ryan, is there one for you? Yeah, I mean, if you just think about the teams who could potentially spend day one or day two pick on a wide receiver, uh, the two that I would just not feel great about are Philly and Chicago. I knew you were going to go there um, with the Bears. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, I think Darnell Mooney is honestly more of a wide receiver two type of player. So if they do spend an early pick uh, on a wide receiver, the good news is he would have a chance to be a, a wide receiver one potentially for the bears and, and maybe in fantasy as well. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I hate to say it, but I'm not trusting that bears offense, including Justin Fields right now. And, and in Philly, as much as they need a wide receiver, they've, they've missed on multiple guys over the years. I don't know if I trust that regime to find someone either. I mean, Devonte Smith was, was solid last year, uh, but they do have Smith and Goddard. They like to throw to their running back. So you could argue that a rookie uh, might only be fourth in the pecking order there. Plus, Jalen Hurts just runs so much that um, that's that's not an offense I want my wide receiver. Yeah, coaching. I was thinking Philly as well. And, and Chicago jumped into my mind when I was thinking about this as well. And the only thing that gives me pause there is that personally I feel like they have the quarterback. And, you know, the, the yeah. coaching change and, and all the things happening, they're going, I believe, in the right direction. And, you know, those are the those are the two main things, right? For a wide receiver, you have to have an offensive play caller that wants to get the ball to the to the the number one wide receiver, and then you have to have a quarterback that with the ability to do that. And my personal opinion is Fields is that guy. We'll see if Getze and that offensive coaching staff can get everything going the way I think a lot of people anticipate, or at least Bears fans hope. Um so maybe that's not quite the worst landing spot, or I could see it working out in the long term, but you're right. They, they don't have a history of, of using the wide receiver position correctly. And, and, you know, so many wide receivers with potential have done so many good things in other places and failed there in Chicago. So, you know, I, I just, every time I think about these landing spots and, and uh, this mock that we're about to look at that Dane, Dane gave us, they really highlighted a lot of those potential landing spots and, and, you know, maybe the fits. It really comes down to, to me guys is the type of receiver. Are you, are you, 
are you building that yeah. basketball roster? Do you already have the slot guy, the point guard, the guy that can can play in the middle of the field and, and are looking at that guy over the top, the big play guy, the shooting guard? Or, or are you looking for that guy in the red zone to be your big man underneath and, and go get the rebounds and, and, and uh, out-jump defensive backs for touchdowns? And that's where my mind always goes. So so it comes down to fits. You know, you think about Drake London and his big body and that basketball physique where he could fit in with one of the smaller wide receivers that can stretch the field and create space for him underneath. Or or one of these fast guys. Jahan Dotson's one of the guys that I think about regularly who who profiles as a slot guy. Well, he needs to land somewhere that that has some outside help for him. Already, and, and that's the things that I'll be focused on during draft weekend. If if these guys really fit with the coaching staff, the quarterback, and then the other wide receivers that are already there. Uh, anything else we need to add here, Matt? Is there is there anything else you're thinking about when it comes to all these wide receiver landing spots? No, what you said really struck a chord because it's what does the team want to do? Do they want to build a bunch of t- uh, uh, a wide receiver core with a bunch of similar players? You know, like what we have seen. Um, San Francisco do where they can make every uh, every play kind of look the same from a from a schematic standpoint Uh, and when we get into this mock we'll see a couple of teams looking to do that based on what Dane Brugler uh, projected these players to go and then you'll see other teams that want to build a a variety you know like you said have the big guy uh, that can catch the the contested catches have the quick fast guy underneath just like a variety of ways to attack defenses so um, knowing these teams knowing these coaches and what they want to do uh, Sigma Bloom likes to say that the the draft is where te- NFL teams cannot lie to us. It's the only place they can't really lie to us about what they want to do. Uh, so it'll be exciting to see these these teams kind of show their cards. All right, guys, let's jump into the rookie report. We got a few uh, few late first round uh, rookie picks that we we need to talk about. It's time for the rookie report. And we get to talk about a couple of these wide receivers off the off the top. We're going to start with Christian Watson, uh, the North Dakota State wide receiver, guy that shot up rookie draft boards, NFL draft boards throughout the Senior Bowl and, and the pre-draft um, really months, the last couple of months. He went in the first round, the 12th pick of our of our super flex rookie mock a week ago, I took him right there and it's becoming a little bit more common. I think guys to see him in the first round in super flex. And then maybe even as high as eight or nine in single quarterback rookie mocks that I've seen, or, or even actual rookie drafts that I've seen because of that, that raw upside. Um, Ryan, you keep an eye real close eye on a lot of mock drafts. I do as well. And it's even becoming more popular for Christian Watson to fall into the late part of the first round of the NFL draft. So when I think about that kind of draft equity, which is, which is possible. And certainly it's probable that he goes in the top 40 or 45 picks. It feels like Christian Watson belongs in that conversation. and, And maybe we need to balloon that, that group of, of six wide receivers to seven or eight, depending on how many you got in there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just think back and, you know, before the, before the senior bowl, a lot of us didn't know who Christian Watson really was. Um, I have to, I have to count myself among that group, Dan, I know you, you were well aware of him being up in that uh, part of the country, but um, we, we learned of, of Chris, Christian Watson really at the senior bowl. He built on that, um, that value gain and, and that reputation with a strong combine. And, and I remember we, we talked about it on here. I got a chance to go to the combine and I remember the first time somebody mentioned this guy could be a late first round pick. And I, I thought it was crazy at the time, honestly. Uh, and of course now it's become, I mean, it's far from a, a, a presumed uh, outcome, but it's certainly a possibility that he could, uh, he could go off in that uh, last five picks or so of the first round. And, and Dan, as you said, if that's not the case, certainly the first few picks of round two is, is where we expect him to go. So, yeah, he, he's uh, gained some value. Currently the wide receiver nine in our rookie ADP 13th overall. Actually, he's been the exact same spot the past two months. 13th overall wide receiver nine in that single quarterback ADP. 
But you look at you look at that tier, and I think after we after we get past Chris Olave at seven, it's wide open, right? I mean, Spiller, Pickens, Dotson, Rashad White. Could Christian Watson jump ahead of all those guys? Absolutely. So he could easily jump up uh, to the eight or nine range where you were talking. And about we're him. hoping that he lands in one of these high end landing spots. Uh, as dynasty managers, you could see him land in Green Bay and become that. That guy for Aaron Rodgers, if he were to land in Kansas City uh, with Patrick Mahomes with that deep speed, um, that's a that seems like a match made in heaven as well, Matt. You know, this is a guy that is raw, as I said before, but he has great ball skills and that athleticism. He's just oozing athleticism and and really really a guy that hasn't refined his game, but there are really things to get excited about. He can track the ball so well on those deep balls. He creates separation without a lot of space, which uh, which is something that he'll have to do at the next level as well. What I really like about him is that even though he's not that refined route runner yet, he is a guy that can run drags and goes, make plays for you early in his career, and as he gets better at the top of his stem, he could become an even bigger playmaker uh, with with more targets, more opportunities because of that big frame and that that really really great speed. Yeah, he Christian Watson is a player that if if you especially if you only are watching highlights, like you are blown away by what you see. He is so fast, he's so big, <laughs> he shows that high point ability. Um, but he's a worrisome prospect for me. I'm not going to okay. lie. I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to be paying the price it's going to be unless he gets, you know, just extreme draft capital earlier than we think he's going to get. Um, but you know, I don't, you don't see a lot of nuance to his routes. And even with that size that he has, you, you, you kind of see him kind of inconsistently dominated the catch point, which to me is a kind of a flat red flag considering his size and athleticism and the level of competition and the fact that he's going to be 23 years old next month. So he's older than these guys too, more, more physically developed. Um, and if he can't do that consistently at this level, is that going to translate to the NFL? I'm not sure. Um, the drop rate is really concerning. 13% of his, of his targets were drops or catchable balls were drops. Uh, and you know, anything above in double digits is concerning at 13.6%. Uh, that's, that's, you know, well above that, that mark. Um, doesn't show a whole lot of suddenness or short area quickness in his in his uh, in his routes. I don't think, he, like you said, he's just really raw there, and I don't really think he has the ability to to know how to manipulate defenders, um, kind of like Jamison William does. He's the master of that. I would say Christian Watson is the opposite of that. But that said, all of those athletic gifts if they transfer, if he can run by people, he's bigger than uh, than a lot of uh, NFL cornerbacks at six five, a little bit thin if you want to throw his weight in there at two oh eight. But four three six speed, that explosive broad jump. Um, he's certainly shown the ability to be uh, to have a have a high ceiling. I think in the NFL, I just think the floor is a little bit scary if he doesn't develop the way that we hope he does. And that's fair. We it it'd be it'd be unfair not to mention the level of play that he played at NDSU. Although they are uh, yearly in the FCS national championship conversation, you know, I'm not even sure that he ever played an FBS school in his career. So, you know, the level of competition is a little bit different for him than other prospects. And and even though he has all that height and all that speed, there there is going to be a transition period, especially for a guy as raw as he is. The last thing I want to say about his game, which surprises a lot of people, is is that he's a special teams ace as well, which which NFL teams will give him credit for. He's a good kick and punt returner. I think he had five kick and punt returns in his career for touchdowns at NDSU. He was also a leader, a captain on the team, which uh, goes a long way for NFL scouts. But maybe dynasty managers aren't going to give him all that much credit for that. Um, he's a gunner. He, he runs down on punt, punt returns. And, you know, the reason I'm bringing all this up is that can help his draft grade. Matters. NFL yeah, teams absolutely. will think, Wow, you know this guy's going to contribute and all all over the field. He'll he'll return punts. He'll run down punt returners. He'll he'll run the deep ball, uh, run down a deep ball, and he'll he'll run that crossing route for us. Plus, he's an excellent blocker, um, and and that all matters to them. To us, that might transition into a guy that catches forty five passes, but still ha- in a season for nine hundred yards, and that's a great season for him. So, I th- I think that's what. Even if he reaches some of his potential, that's what offers that low floor for him. Even if he is a really good NFL player, 
that may not transition into being a wide receiver one at the NFL level. So there are reasons that that he's not mentioned among those top four or five wide receivers. I think it it'd be lazy of us not to say that because of that athletic upside that that he doesn't have the potential to be to be a really really good player at the next level and a way better pro than he even was at North Dakota State. Let's talk about another. Um, I would say smaller school prospect, wide receiver prospect, and 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 Ryan. I know he's he's one of the guys that you've kept an eye on, and a guy that you've you've watched closely. It's Sky Moore, um, a different kind of prospect for sure, but a guy who is rising in his own round, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sky Moore moving up, and, and and it feels like Moore and Watson. Uh, have just kind of been closely associated with each other, both smaller school guys who have been risers this off season. Uh, and, and Moore has actually ecl- eclipsed uh, Watson in our ADP. He's a first rounder now, 11 overall wide receiver eight uh, in our latest ADP. That's up from uh, 18 overall and wide receiver 10 back in February. Uh, looking at grinding the mocks, they've got him at, at wide receiver uh, nine overall, a 45, or wide receiver nine, 45 overall. So they're looking at both Watson and uh, Sky Moore as, as early second round picks. Yeah, with, I mean, with Moore, it's tough not to like the player. The ankle injuries are a little bit of a concern for me. Two serious ankle injuries. I think both of those were in high school. Uh, so hopefully something that uh, was just kind of a fluke, but... Uh, when you've got when it's happening multiple times, you have to at least be aware of it. Uh, really impressive uh, combine performance for him, though. I watched three full games of Sky Moore here just in the last week or, or ten days when we decided to talk about him. And one of those games was against Michigan. And I, I tell you what, if you want to, if you if you want to see the, I, I don't want to say negatives or or the weaknesses or anything like that, but but maybe. Maybe what causes some pause with with Sky Moore, it is that Michigan game. He was completely taken out of that that football game. Um, they they clearly wanted to stop him, and they were able to do it. Now you can also turn on, you know, he played Northern Illinois in twenty twenty one, and he took over that football game and looked dynamic all over the field. Northern Illinois had nobody that could stick up or stick with him. The thing that sticks to me, Matt, when I watch Sky Moore, and it's kind of weird with a slot receiver that, that can play a little bit on the outside and has a little bit of versatility, but he has running back like uh, contact balance. Mm-hmm. He will bounce off a guy, and it's almost like a video game where, where you get mad at the game because you yeah. tried to tackle a guy. Oh, I didn't even slow him down. He'll just bounce right off, and he'll be three feet farther towards the sideline and still go, go in full speed. So that's impressive. I think there's so many creative ways an NFL coaching staff could potentially use him, and that's probably what has dynasty managers so excited about his upside. Yeah, one of the first things I wrote down, you mentioned that contact balance, the play strength and the ability to fight through contact, especially on those underneath routes, is is really impressive. And he does, I think, profile, like most people are saying, that he as a slot receiver primarily in the NFL. But actually, he played 63% of his snaps on the outside. So he can. He knows how to win outside. Um, there's a game, uh, I think it was the Northern Illinois. He has a touchdown catch there where he's isolated on the outside and just beat his man right off the line. Um, he has sideline toe tapping catches. You see that in like the Michigan state game. Um, he's just, he, he, he's so good off right off of the line, I think. And that, I think that's going to translate really well to the slot receiver role in the NFL. There were 146 snaps against press man coverage. And I certainly didn't watch them all, but of the games that I did watch, I don't think I saw him single, see, see him lose a single battle off the line. Um, he catches the ball well, only a 3.9% drop rate compared to Watson. We talked about before in the double digits. First in the FBS and forced missed tackles with 26. Uh, he's, he's, he's great. I think, uh, I think so, I saw somebody mention he would be a good fit in Indianapolis. I think that works well if Paris Campbell, I assume, is never going to happen at this point. So to give Matt Ryan an underneath weapon like Sky Moore that can have the versatility to move outside would be, would be a pretty good fit, I think. I really like, you know, he catches the ball in traffic. He proved that time and time again in college. And, you know, you mentioned that release package. It's, 
it's it varies. He he can beat people with the jab yeah. step. He can beat beat people with his hands at the line of scrimmage. And he's a slight guy. He's he's like five nine, one ninety five, and so you don't expect him to be able to do that. But some of the better slot receivers, and I do think he's going to primarily be a slot guy. I know he showed that he can play on the outside uh, in college. He'll be a he'll be a slot guy in at the next level. Some of the best guys in there are are built like him. But they have good hands, and they can get get off that press. And when you when you get the length against them with those corners and press coverage, and you can still get away from them and run those whip routes and and all those underneath packages, that's how they pile up four, five, six, seven, eight catches in a game. He he does it kind of like Hunter Renfro. Renfro is is slight. He's small, but he's quick, and he has great upper body strength for a guy his size. And I I think. I think he has a little bit of that. So, and I mean that as a as a compliment. Sky Moore also yeah. has proven that he can get over the top a little bit, which is something you like to see in your slot receiver, especially as dynasty managers, because that offers the upside of the big game uh, to go along with that consistency of those four, five, and six catch games. I don't know. Is there is there an ideal landing spot for you, Ryan? I know Matt mentioned Indianapolis. I like that one for sure. It seems like. A lot of times you see him in the in the early to mid mid part of the second round, which suggests probably a team that didn't make the playoffs in 2021. Certainly, we want him attached to a quarterback that can get the ball out quickly and accurately. Uh, I really like the Indy landing spot. I'm sure there's a handful of others. Yeah, yeah, there certainly are. I mean, the the obvious teams that we talked about earlier that could use multiple wide receivers would work. Um, yeah, I'm looking for another. I think Tennessee is kind of interesting sure. with AJ Brown. Of course, pending what happens with Brown, they did bring in Robert Woods. I think that would give uh, that would give a guy like Sky Moore kind of some some lane to uh, some runway to to learn the NFL uh, the NFL offense in general, and then maybe step in in year two with a large. You mentioned role. Cleveland about- as one of your favorite landing spots for a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I kind of thought about the Browns and Deshaun Watson. He's he's so dynamic um, with his legs, and that's what we think of as dynasty managers. Yeah. But at, when it comes to that quick release and getting the ball to the open man, he's one of the best in the league as well. So I thought Cleveland would be a great one. What about uh, Buffalo to fill the sure. Cole Beasley role? I mean, I know they got, I know they added Jamison Crowder or whatever, but I feel like that would be pretty good too. Yeah, that'd be a great one. So, yeah. um, there's a handful of them that we could mention. I, I really like Sky Moore as a late first round option in dynasty rookie drafts. That certainly seems where he's going to fall in uh, as long as he gets that draft capital that we expect. Let's jump with our last rookie report to talk about to the quarterback position. Second one we're going to talk about. This year, it's Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh. Matt, I'll let you lead off here because Pickett is is a guy that you'll see all over mock drafts, and we'll talk to Ryan about that here in a moment. But when it comes to his strengths on the field, what makes you even a slight believer that he could make the transition <laughs> to the next level and become a dynasty asset? Yeah, I mean, he's he's certainly not exciting. He's not. I don't think he's ever going to be a, a, a top five fantasy quarterback and any, anything like that. But you know, he's a, he's an accurate passer, especially on short and inter, intermediate routes. And he's kind of he's kind of like a rhythm quarterback, uh, somebody that you know I think would be really successful in an offense with like lots of digs and comebacks and quick outs. These timing patterns that's kind of going to kind of pick its way down the field, um, and then you know take that occasional deep shot. Um, but if a coach tries to put him in a vertical passing game, I don't think he's really going to work out with him. Uh, it, it is nice that you see him go through. You can you can really see him going through his progressions and reading the entire field. He's not a quarterback who needs help that way, like where the offensive coordinator will sometimes take away basically half of the field to help out a young quarterback on their reads. Uh, you don't. I don't think you're going to need to see that with Pickett. Um, on the on the downside, I just he never really looks super comfortable in the pocket to me. A lot of dancing around. He doesn't slide up into the pocket. We can sometimes give those edge rushers more space to get around the corner on them. Um, and then sometimes you see him leave a, a clean pocket to kind of kind of go and choose to throw on a run instead of instead of uh, kind of hanging in and, and stepping up in the pocket and making the throw that way. So um, I think he's going to be fine. People have comped him to players like Andy Dalton. Uh, you know, like on the high end, things like Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins. If he ends up like that, I think we'll be happy with him. Um, but he's certainly not going to be somebody who's going to change the the fortune of your your dynasty team in a super flex format. 
And the, the the mobility that Pickett has showed in college that it's adequate and he can make make a few plays with his legs, but he's not the that dynamic runner that's gonna gonna make those 10, 15, 20 yard runs and, and turn uh, read options into touchdowns around the goal line. That limits his dynasty upside most likely. Ryan, he he's a guy that probably is going in the first round of the NFL draft and, and most likely will go in the first round of every single Superflex rookie draft as well because of it. Um, I just have a hard time, as we've talked about in the past, no matter the draft equity, rolling the dice and, and using a draft pick on a guy with, with this kind of, I wouldn't say limited upside, but certainly capped upside, um, with with all the talent at the other positions, mainly running back and wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, if you think back to last season, dynasty managers had to really talk themselves into taking Mac Jones in the first round, and and sometimes he fell to round two. And I don't necessarily think Pickett is the same type of quarterback, or honestly, even as good as Mac Jones. But um, it's it's kind of that same mindset. If if we weren't taking Mac Jones, are we really taking Pickett in round one? Yeah. According to our mock draft data, we are, but Dan, I'm with you. I, I I don't know. I would have a tough time clicking that button. He he debuted at seven overall back in February in our Superflex rookie ADP. He was quarterback three at that point. Uh, by March, post combine, he drops one spot. He's still quarterback three. Now he's dropped another spot. He's ninth overall, but he is the quarterback two in the class behind. Malik Willis you look at grinding the mocks 12 overall that goes to your idea that he's almost certainly locked in as a first rounder in the draft he's the quarterback too there also I mean the really the really frustrating thing with this quarterback class is there are there's there's nine teams that need a quarterback right that pick in in, uh, most of them in the top 20 Detroit Houston has three and 13 Carolina he has been linked to because of the uh, the coaching connection there the, with, with Matt Rule, uh, Atlanta at eight, Seattle at nine, and, and Washington and New Orleans and Pittsburgh. He's been linked there because he he played at college at Pittsburgh. So it's almost like you look at Mox and, and we're just trying to get cute with it. Like maybe this guy who recruited him five years ago will, will draft him now or maybe the hometown team will draft him and that'll be some, time, some type of feel-good story. But really looking up and down these teams i just don't know who's gonna want him yeah it's it you know i, I don't want to sound like we're we're all negative about about kenny pickett because there are positives he was a four-year starter and he improved every year and and he had the breakout season as a senior and, and he does show progression uh in the offense he's not just a one read type thrower his athleticism is a plus it's he isn't mac jones in the pocket where he's just going to stand there and, and move around in the pocket yeah. he will break outside of the pocket continue to look downfield and he can do that scramble drill he also is extremely uh confident you can see that when you watch him he 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 thinks he can make every throw um which is something that you want he's tough and and he's got the poise in the pocket to stand in there and make the throw there are certainly positives when it comes to Kenny Pickett and I personally I like senior quarterbacks guys that got better all every single year as an NFL prospect he just doesn't deliver that elite type upside for dynasty and that's what caps his his ceiling for for our game so, you know, while there are the positives, and, and certainly if he gets top 10 type uh, draft capital, if, if the Panthers end up taking him uh, that early in the draft, or, or Atlanta, or any one of these teams, even if he does go to Pittsburgh at 20, there are going to be reasons to be excited about him. And, and if that happens, we can talk about it. Um, if that happens in our in our mock here in a few minutes as well, we can talk about it too, because <laughs> uh, he's a he's an intriguing prospect. And I just wonder if there was a... If there was an, a truly elite NFL starting prospect in this draft, would we be making up reasons to get excited about Kenny Pickett, uh, both for for as an NFL quarterback and and on our uh, dynasty rosters? 
Before we move forward, guys, we should talk about our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. They are a daily fantasy sports built sports site built for all of us, really. Instead of competing against the professional players that you see on other sites, Monkey Knife Fight is made for the average fan to have a chance at winning. Monkey Knife Fight offers the ability to play a wide variety of fantasy contests, including their popular more or less games allowing you to simply pick if a player is going to score more or less than a given line. I'm having a lot of fun with these in the NBA playoffs, and you should too. In, additional, in addition to all those usual games for football, baseball, the NBA, the basketball, and hockey, you can also play contests in golf, soccer, NASCAR, UFC, eSports, and more. Not only can you play these fun, unique games, but if you sign up at DynastyLeagueFootball.com, you'll get a full year of DLF Premium for free. Simply log on to our site, click the banner image for Monkey Knife Fight, and create a new account. With that initial deposit, and Monkey Knife Fight will match the deposit up to 100 bucks, and your DLF subscription will be set up automatically within 36 hours. What are you waiting for? Go sign up today. The DLF Dynasty Podcast Mock Draft. So let's set this up properly. Dane Brugler, we mentioned his name a couple times already. He did a seven-round NFL mock draft. So, man, he put a lot of work into that. So we gotta we gotta publicize it properly. Um, go to the Athletic, check out the entire article, the entire mock draft, um, because Dane put a lot of work into this, and and he. You know, really, I'm a Packers fan, so I looked through the entire Packers draft as well. And it, he he put some time and thought into every single pick and, and needs and, and how NFL teams, or at least the Packers, it felt like to me, how they how they approach the draft. Matt, earlier you mentioned that, that how you build, and, and you can't lie in the NFL draft. Uh, you need to consider those things. Go, go ahead and try to do an, uh, even a first-round NFL mock draft. It's difficult to do. Dane put a lot of work into this, and uh, we thank him for that. We thank him for letting us use this to put together our Dynasty podcast mock draft here, which is Superflex once again. We're going to do a single quarterback final rookie mock next week. So if you're a single quarterback guy or gal, look forward to that next week. We are assuming PPR in this one as well. Matt, you got the first pick in this draft. So we need to we need to give context here. Um, if, if you have the ability, go check out that mock, first of all. But with every pick, we need to give context. Where the player was picked, who picked them, and uh, Matt, take it away. This is uh, based on these landing spots, and I'm sure we'll talk about all of them. Uh, when I went through this draft, I came up with the top seven that, honestly, I could have in any order. That like I, I could just draw a name of the hat, and I would be just as happy as with them at one as I would at seven. So, because of the format and because of my my enjoyment in watching this player, I'm going to take Malik Willis number one overall, who lands with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, it lands in a in a situation that is difficult from the perspective of talent around him, but from the perspective of being able to take over the quarterback position as a starter, you know, maybe as early as his rookie season, but probably more likely his second season after Mariota's one year little contract kind of kind of runs out. Uh, and if Malik Willis shows the improvement necessary, I think he could step in and fill that role, uh, you know, as early as 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 his second season in the league. Um, if if uh, Mariota gets hurt, like he sometimes. Has a has a ten, tendency to do, or he just you know he hasn't actually improved since his days in Tennessee. He proves that he's still a backup quality quarterback, and I think there's a potential we could see Malik Willis in year one, and that would be fun. Um, but for his development, I'm not sure that would be the best thing for him. So I'll take Malik Willis at one, but uh, there were definitely lots of other considerations here. I actually loved Malik Willis landing in Atlanta. I, like you were saying earlier, Matt, it shows what the Falcons are trying to do. If he, if he were to land there. Feels like a, a pretty good marriage that that because of what they did in the offseason, bringing in Mariota, who's an athletic quarterback and and certainly can make plays with his feet, that they have an idea of where this mm-hmm. offense is going. Now, interestingly, in this mock, Willis wasn't the first quarterback off the board. If, if you're familiar with the mock, actually, Kenny Pickett went to Carolina and number six. So, you know, usually I put stock into those types of things. Because that that shows that the NFL values Pickett as the number one 
quarterback. But because of everything we talked about before, and I'm up at number two, he's not really a consideration for me. I was I was in a similar boat as you, Matt. And I didn't put Malik Willis at one. I actually landed with with Brees Hall. And, and Ryan, I would love to hear what you think of who you would have picked number one as well. It's interesting because Brees Hall also landed with the Falcons in in this mock draft. Uh, uh, Dane put him with Atlanta at number 43 overall in the second round. So one of the landing spots that we talked about, right, one of the premier um, opportunity landing spots, at least, was Atlanta. And early second-round draft equity is elite draft equity when it comes to the running back position. So I would have taken Hall number one overall, personally. I think there's a chance for instant production and potentially even high-end production, maybe even a running back one type season as a rookie in Atlanta. There are problems on that offensive line. They'll have to address that. But with Malik, we have to assume Malik Willis is there already because we're, we're using this mock as if it's real. We have to assume that um, they are going to run this this like hybrid offense with with a downfield passing attack and, and a lot of um, read options, stuff like that. That feels like a perfect marriage for Brees Hall to be successful early in his career. I had him at the 101. I'll take him here at 102. Yeah, I do think it 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 helps the outlook of both players. And again, we're we're treating this this mock like the gospel, like we're trusting this uh, that this is how it could play out. I think it would help both Willis and Hall uh, if they were to end up together. And I mean, you look at Atlanta, and we kind of. We kind of called it a bad landing spot because the team is expected to be bad. But, I mean, you look at their top players. It's Marcus Mariota and Corderell Patterson and Olamide Zacchaeus. So, like, they, whoever lands there is going to have opportunity to play right away and potentially make Especially so, with this draft uh, capital that we're getting here. Ryan, yeah. I had to ask you, because you, you remember all these, these drafts from the past and all the ADP from the past. Yep. Have we ever had... Two players from the same NFL team go one-two in ADP ever. I certainly can't remember it. I do have my uh, my my ADP history log. I'm gonna have to break that out and and double check. Um, but none comes to mind. I did note that you mentioned I wrote an article based on on this same mock draft, uh, and I had these two guys, Malik Willis at 101, Brees Hall at 102, just as you guys have selected them. Uh, and I noted that it would be, of course, uh, unique to say the least to have uh, teammates go top two overall in uh, in a dynasty. Did draft. did you have it Willis and then Hall, or Hall and then Willis? Okay. Yes. I had, I had well, Willis then uh, I guess if if you want to go read Ryan's article, who did the same exercise in <laughs> private, you can go find out who went number three right now before he says it. But you are on the clock, Ryan. Well, I will say my article was kind of more of a projection, not necessarily my ranking. So I'm, I might sway from okay. it a little bit, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to sway from it here. Uh, I'm going to go with Kenneth Walker as the uh, 103. He is in this mock draft chosen by Buffalo in the second round with the 57th overall pick. We've talked about Buffalo as uh, a, a running back landing spot. We're excited about Devin Singletary's there. I'm not too scared of him. Uh, in fact, I think he would pair pretty well with, with Kenneth Walker and, and eventually probably be Kenneth Walker's backup. Uh, but love the upside in general of that offense. Uh, so I'll, I'll grab Walker here at 103. I actually had w- I actually- Walker as my number two prospect above Malik Willis as well. I really like this this landing spot. And you mentioned that he went in the second round. He was the only other. Those two running backs, Hall and Walker, that went in the second round. And there wasn't another one until I believe real late in the third round. So so according to Dane, at least, we're not expecting a lot of high draft capital when it comes to these tailbacks. Go ahead, Matt. I was going to say that I actually was surprised that, you know, based on this, 
I would have had actually a Kenneth Walker, you know, he was my other consideration at one after Malik Willis. I like him a little bit better with that landing spot than I do with Hall. Uh, you guys mentioned Willis would be good for Hall. Uh, I, 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 I do worry that he might get less running back targets, and that's something we like about Brees Hall is his receiving ability mm, with, a, with a running quarterback. So I was surprised that when I finished this exercise that I, I had Kenneth Walker in consideration for the 101 after, you know, how much I, I – I mean, it's not like that I don't like him, but I don't like the fact that we don't – haven't seen the pass catching at the collegiate level. My first um, run through, I, I had Walker at one overall, well, and, and then I switched. I, I think – Got it. And I do think we, we talked about this at the top of the show that we're when the actual draft gets here, we're going to face some tough decisions like this, whether you're just trying to uh, set up your rankings or, you know, if you've got a rookie draft that's starting uh, immediately after the NFL draft, like like so many of us do. But we're going to have this decision of tier two running back in a what in a really good landing spot versus tier one running back in a okay in a decent landing spot and, and that's you know that's really kind of where the rubber meets the road when in making these decisions and and generally uh, I'm going to aim for talent I did I, I made the mistake a couple of years ago I took Clyde Edwards Hilaire at 101 uh, over Jonathan Taylor over so many others and I, I won't make that mistake again um, I mean I, I like I like still like the player but that that was a mistake to value him that highly Based on landing, so spot. Matt beforehand you said these these landing spots were no good, but I, I'm looking at this and those that maybe haven't seen Dane's mock are saying, wait a minute, Brees Hall to Atlanta, Kenneth Walker to Buffalo, Malik Willis to Atlanta. That all sounds pretty good. Where are we going now? We, we've got a few more good ones, right. but just wait till we get to the middle of, middle and end of the first <laughs> round, and we might like them a little bit less. Um, I, I think there's there's three receivers here that you could select, and you know if you want to go by draft capital, I'm not going to take that guy. I'm going to take the fit, uh, and I think the the one that is going to have the most immediate impact based on his situation is Chris Olave to the Packers at at 22. Um, he is not the first or the second or even the third wide receiver taken in this draft, but based on the landing spot and the opportunity he's going to have and the quarterback that he's going to have, I just like it a little bit more than the other two prospects who, in a vacuum, I would actually have, w- without knowing landing spots, I would have above Alave, but the draft changed that. So Alave at uh, 104. I had these four as the top four. And then I had a mini tier break, and I think there are three players that that should all go right in here. The next three players in a tier by themselves. I would agree as well. And, and I really, I, I hate, if this is how things play out, I would not love the one Oh five in a draft because I feel like I'm getting the same player at the seventh pick. And I guess maybe there'd be an argument that maybe even the eighth pick because somebody might bump up. Um, I'll, I'll stick to the list, I guess that I made, um, coming into this thing. I think I will. Uh, <laughs> These guys are all I, close. I had Traylon right? Burks, so Burks as my number one wide receiver coming into before I looked at this mock. He got first round draft capital. He went at twenty five to the Buffalo Bills. So so now we've had two Atlanta players, two players that end up in Buffalo already in the top five. I'll take Traylon Burks at five. I'm not surprised by the pick because I know you like Burke still quite a bit. And I love the fit um, there as well. They need that guy. In yeah. Buffalo. Again, we we want pieces of that Buffalo Bill offense. I I am surprised you mentioned a tier of three here um, with, with Burks the first of the three. I, I don't know who you're leaving out, but... Um, I guess I guess maybe I'll find out. Well, soon. You, yeah, you're gonna find out uh, most likely because I have the uh, third pick <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm I'm gonna trust the draft capital here. I'm gonna take Garrett Wilson in this uh, in this mock draft. Uh, Wilson was the first wide receiver drafted, the tenth overall pick to the New York Jets. Um, you know, the Jets are not one of those offenses that we typically chase, but I, I still trust a, a little bit, at least, Zach Wilson as, as um, a quarterback who has some upside. I certainly like Elijah Moore. I, I think it, it, it does feel like that Jets offense is trending in the right direction. Matt, you're up at the seven pick. 
Yeah, uh, I don't know if this is the guy, last guy in that tier, but Jamison Williams for me is the next easy pick. And again, we're, we still have a, a receiver on the board that was drafted above him, but I love the upside. Uh, we're going to have to wait a little bit for that injury, but Jameis to Jamison, let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, you mm. ended up with Jamison Williams there. He he goes to New Orleans with the 19th pick. That leaves me um, the second wide receiver taken in the NFL draft. That's Drake London. And he goes at number 18 to Philadelphia. I just don't love that landing spot for the reasons we talked about earlier. I think there's a there's a little bit of a tear break. It's weird with London because I have him at number two in my, uh, in my super flex rankings coming into the draft. And him landing in Philadelphia does not, that feels like one of the worst potential landing spots. I know a lot of people are, are mocking that because they need that bigger body receiver, but that doesn't translate for me into, into huge fantasy production. Um, so I'd be afraid of it. I would certainly take him at 108 right here, though. So London was your guy that was outside of that. He tier was outside then. of it, but it was it was a mini tier break, really. And I think London is all by himself in that tier, and it's only because of the landing spot, the quarterback situation, and all those things in Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I get it. He he would still be um, he would still be up with with the other first round wide receivers for me. I see the tier break happening right oh, now. Yeah, there's a massive it's a cliff one. now. It's a cliff. Yeah, and I'm I'm not happy about it because it's my turn. <laughs> Um, I, I guess I'm going to take the guy we spent 10 minutes, um, you know, dissecting and, and pushing down. I guess I'm going to take Kenny Pickett. Who's the (laughs) first quarterback drafted in this. Uh, he does in this mock draft, he does go sixth overall to Carolina. Um, and, and there is the connection with Matt rule. I don't put much stock into that, but, uh, Dane knows more than I do when it comes to the NFL draft. Uh, so I'll, I'll trust him. And I'll, uh, I guess I'll trust the Carolina coaching staff, which is a little, a little scary to do. But draft capital, opportunity, those things are on his side, and this is a super. Matt, did you so. have Pickett at nine? I I had him at eight, but I was not excited to take him there. Who was nine then? London. Oh, okay. Who do you got at ten? Matt, because you're on the clock. At ten, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna keep it going with quarterbacks, and I'll take Desmond Ritter, who lands Ooh, with Pittsburgh. Thank you. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes there with Trubisky. Uh, Ritter. Ritter was my next pick. Oh, really? Well. Yeah, I think he. I think he fits here uh, with first round draft capital with a team that uh, wants it, wants to draft a quarterback real bad. I mean, Pittsburgh's the quarterback I want. Yeah, right. I me mean, too. if we're if we're drafting, if we're taking names off of it. I want Buffalo running back, Packer wide receiver, and Steeler quarterback. Yep. That leaves me Christian Watson at 11. He goes to the Bears. You can have him. Um, okay. <laughs> Watson goes especially to the Bears at, the, especially at with 39 Bears. overall. That's not an ideal landing spot, of course, uh, but there will be opportunities and plenty of them early in his career. As I said earlier, I believe in the quarterback, and, and I have a little belief in that coaching staff as well. So Watson belongs right here at 11. I did have Christian Watson at 11. I actually, in, in my article and, and in my rankings, felt a little early. So I'm. Uh, I have my 15. Makes me, makes me feel good you had him there, at least, uh, Dano. Uh, 12 overall, ending the first round. I'll go with another quarterback. Uh, this, this quarterback did not get first round draft capital in Dane's mock. It's uh, Matt Corral. Uh, he goes to the Seattle Seahawks, 40th overall in the second round. Obviously, a need there. And uh, kind of. Similar story to what we said with Willis, uh, a path that he could play right away. I mean, Drew Locke is uh, not not too much of a uh, of a force standing in the way. But if Corral needs the time, then then he could get that. So round well. one is in the book. It's it's Malik Willis, then Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, followed up by Chris Olave, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, and Jamison Williams. Then it went Drake London, Kenny Pickett, and Desmond Ritter. Uh, finished up with Christian Watson and Matt Coral. Um, round two, let's shoot through this real quick. Only got a couple minutes. Matt, who you got at 13 overall? Yeah, I'm going to go draft capital, even though I'm going to miss out on the two players I actually want here. I'll take Jahan Dotson, who went at the last pick of the first round to the Detroit Lions. That leaves me on the clock at 14 overall, and I end up with George Pickens, who, who lands yep. in a spot that – 
that I don't really love in Houston. And uh, but he but he is the first position player picked in the second round, thirty seven overall, fifth pick in the second round. That doesn't seem all that bad. Um, Pickens is a guy I really like, and I ex- actually had him in the top twelve. He was my twelfth rated player. I like getting him here at two hundred two. Uh, 2.03, I will take a uh, another wide receiver, another guy we talked about today, Sky Moore. Uh, the Colts get him in this scenario with the 42nd overall pick, so pretty early in the second round. We talked about the Colts as a team that could use a, a, another wide receiver, and uh, Matt, I think you pointed that out as, as the perfect fit, so I feel like I sniped you there. You did, and I, I mean, Hart would have said Sky Moore, but Brain said said Dotson. So. Matt's going to take my guy uh, right now. So it, what goes around comes around, I guess. Am I? Am I, I going to so. take your guy right now? Yeah, I'm going to take, uh, man, it feels weird to go into the third round, but that's uh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take David Bell, Ooh. wide receiver for the Packers. Yeah. Just, I, uh, 92nd overall pick. He was he was a consideration and right, right in this range for sure. I actually liked Jalen Tolbert a little bit better. He landed in Kansas City a little better draft capital as well. So I'll go with Tolbert. I think I got caught in another tier break here. It feels like uh, when I'm, when I'm looking at these names. Um, but again, I'm going to have to default to the settings here. Super flex league. Sam Howell uh, is the 47th overall pick in the second round to the Washington uh, commanders. I like it. Carson Wentz. He, he's probably the 2022 starter, but Sam Howell, uh, if things work out for him, could be uh, could be ready in 2023 and, and certainly would have that opportunity. Matt, 207. 207, I'll break tight end and take Trey McBride, who went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the second round of the 60th pick. Uh, maybe Gronk's back, maybe he's not. Trey McBride will be good either this year or next year, depending on what Gronk does. Oh. I'm up at the 208, and I'll actually keep it in Tampa Bay. I'm going to dip into the fourth round and take Isaiah Spiller. Um, He he falls all the way to the late fourth round to Tampa Bay. I like the landing spot, so I'll go with him. He was my pick, uh, so I guess guess we can say that's a good one. Spiller still still a first rounder in ADP, so that would represent that that value drop, which I think we all kind of we all kind of expect to happen. Actually, uh, a little bit of a homer pick here. I'll go with Wondell Robinson, um, the Kentucky kid, and now uh, according to this mock draft, a member of the Chargers uh, gets the day two draft capital. That's what we really want with those players in that tier. Seventy ninth overall pick in the third round to the Chargers. Once again, we want pieces of that offense we want uh wide receivers connected to uh to justin herbert matt you're up with your final pick uh can i pass uh, <laughs> uh there's a lot of ways to go here running backs that are ruining other situations for us i'm gonna stay a tight end and take a purely upside dart throw and take jelani woods who goes to dallas with the third round with the 88th overall pick uh we know the dalton schultz story um, we'll see what happens after his uh, franchise tag year. Uh, but Johnny Woods, is if, if he hits, he's going to hit big. I'm starting to think I'm the only only guy in the Dynasty community that likes John Mechie. Um, I had him quite a bit higher mm. than right here. I considered him. He was very close to being the 208 and wasn't far behind the 205 as well. I'll take him at 211. In this mock draft, he went number 81 overall. So that's early to mid. Um third round to the Giants where I think there is a chance for him to make a splash late in his rookie year. Because we are 23 picks into this rookie draft and we've only had three running backs selected. That Again, that goes uh, and tells you all you need to know about this class. Hall, Walker, uh, along with Isaiah Spiller. Uh, I think I'm going to take the RB3 according to Dane, uh, which is Zamir White. He was Drafted 110th overall yes. to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, is that RB? Wasn't yeah. wasn't Tyler Algier the third one? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah, thank you. Before I think. Yeah, good good call there. Thank you, Matt. Al- Algier was 98th overall to New Orleans. So Zamir White, uh, the RB4, 110 overall to Baltimore. I'll 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 still stick with that pick. But really, I think there's a lot of running backs kind of in the 
are are coming next, right? Cook to the Giants in this scenario. Yeah. Uh, Brian Robinson to the Rams. Uh, Damian Pierce to the Eagles. Rashad White uh, he way down to Sixth Arizona. Round, yeah, Sixth rounder, which I think is, again, realistic, would obviously hurt his value. But the landing spot's okay. So he's, you know, he's still draftable. It, it was a fun exercise. But everything we did for the last 20 minutes really doesn't matter. The one thing it did do is, is got us got us thinking about these landing spots a little bit more, you know, and yeah. and the potential again for us to be disappointed with a handful. I really thought <laughs> if this is how the NFL draft goes, Matt, I think I'll be I'll be fine with it because I, there were more wins than we've had in recent, and by wins I mean quality landing spots than we've had in recent years. It feels like to me. I, I guess so. It just, I don't know. I, I like, I would rather like Garrett Wilson to New New, New York Jets to me was a bit of a disappointment. You know, it's, who's the wide receiver one there? Are they built? I was I mentioned it before when we were talking about uh, fits and are they building a team like yeah, San Francisco with right? that ex San Francisco coaching staff? It's re- redundancy. We're going to have receivers that do the same things. Uh, Burks feels great, but Ooh, I love that. I don't one. know. Like in Buffalo, it's it feels like a good fit if he's going to play the big slot, especially. But he's he's probably not going to be the one there till Diggs moves on. So I just feel like we have a lot of places where the the receiver that go the rookie that goes there is going to have a tough time uh, breaking the uh, the death chart. We're going to try to fit in as many more rookie reports as we can next week. We might do a do a pick 'em where each one of us get to pick a player to talk about, maybe a couple, so we can fit in as many as possible. Final thoughts going into the NFL draft. We also have that uh, single quarterback rookie mock draft that we got to fit in. We'll try to fit in uh, as much as we possibly can in our final episode before the 2022. NFL draft, which is which is just days away, really, guys. I can't wait to hang out with you guys. Can't wait to talk to all of our listeners again next week as well for Ryan and Matt. I am Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.